Well, welcome to you. A little offering for you here on a Thursday night on Damon Bruce Plus. We have an edition of a little show we like to call The Home and Home with Damon Bruce and Larry Kruger. Tonight, we are uh, we are on uh, Stadium Bruce instead of uh, The Krug Show. And it's always good to have you aboard, Larry. Did you screw up my Steve Kerr interview today or did you guys <laughs> nail it? Um, you know, that actually will have to be up to the audience. But um, it was interesting listening to Kerr talk about how, you know, um, Draymond Green, I compared him to Jordan as far as his will and his just the just a, as far as just he's so ferocious as a competitor. Jordan was an incredible competitor. I thought that was an interesting answer where he kind of compared them and and said their similarities and their differences. Um, and then, you know, obviously he doesn't want to give away anything. So it's kind of a tough interview to do because you don't you want to get, glean as much information as you can from him about the series while at the same time he doesn't want to give away any adjustment or change sure. that he's going to make so it's a little bit of a tap dance but yeah it was pretty fun did uh did anyone uh did, did Kerr decide to like at least unveil what maybe his greatest offensive concern was about the kings did he give you a little bit of a an insight as to where, you know, what Kings player has taken up most of his time in film study and prep this week. Well, that, I mean, he wasn't as forthcoming with that, but I, I get the sense that it's De'Aaron Fox um, just from the standpoint, Damon, that, you know, Fox is, is so much the like alpha. If you watch, if you watch basketball teams, sometimes they have multiple ball handlers. Sometimes they have one guy who's ball dominant and th on this team. Uh, with Halliburton moving on in the trade for Sabonis, it's totally been Fox all year, and I think that's really been one of the one of the keys. But yeah, Steve talked about just the speed and and um, just the burst and energy of De'Aaron Fox and how that's going to be a challenge. I, stopping the ball, I mean, you know, it's like one of the basic things in open floor basketball: stop the basketball. And with De'Aaron Fox, it's easier said than done, right? Because this guy's like absolutely electric with the ball in his hands. He kind of reminds me kind of, you know, for older basketball fans, like kind of a modern day Kevin Johnson, who Sacramento fans should remember because um, he's a Sacramento guy who played for the Phoenix Suns. But I mean, just baseline to baseline, the speed and it's just so hard to stay in front of guys like this. So I think one of the guys who's going to be really challenged, and I think Steve said it without saying it kind of was Steph Curry. You know, who I think is in for a little bit of a, a rude awakening if he's not Johnny on the spot defensively early. I don't know if they're closing games with Jordan Poole. I mean, they might have to have GP3 out there. I could see Dante DiVincenzo find himself in a closing lineup, and I think that there's a chance that Jordan Poole is going to have to earn the trust of those closing minutes because he's as likely to give away a ball in a brutal moment in a game as he is to hit a big three that keeps you in a game. I mean, I, it's just sort of the conundrum that Jordan Poole leaves us with every time we see him. Um, I wonder if he's going to be in the closing group. And then, of course, I, I know that I've already seen that there was, you know, some you know, lack of commitment as to where or when they're going to use Andrew Wiggins. I mean, Andrew Wiggins is I don't, I don't care if he starts or not, but I'd be stunned if he weren't in that closing group. Yeah, he did say Wiggins was going to play about 20 minutes a night, um, you know, as, as far as. Um, you know, who closes? Yeah, I think that's a big question, Damon. I mean, I think it's really clear that if you watch the Warrior basketball in the second half of the year, Dante DiVincenzo outplayed Jordan Poole um, many nights in the fourth quarter and is in some ways is much more dependable. I love Jordan Poole when he's on. 
But when he's off, you got to get him off the floor. So he's he's an awesome player when he's rolling. But um, and then he's just such a flow player, Damon. That it's it's how do you? To me, uh, the one thing I like about Jordan Poole is when he's attacking the rim, when he's penetrating and going inside. Because this team, one, he's a ninety percent foul shooter, so that's a good outcome. Two, he's got the draw and kick ability. And look at the shooters that are on this basketball team. You're going to be flipping it maybe to Clay or Wiggins or Steph. I mean, those are good options. So you know who I, Jordan me, Poole is. I, I, I think can go I figured, to the bucket. I think I figured out who Jordan Poole is, and I have to go to another sport to make the comparison. And today there was a mistake made by this player that got him pulled out of a game in the second inning. He is the basketball version of baseball's Javi Baez. Absolutely entertaining. Yeah. Brilliant, electric, entertaining, great selling Jersey. The kids love him, And there's a reason why he makes you go. Wow. Yeah. You know, at least two, the first three times, 12 times in a row and strikes out nine times in one, two games. And yeah, I mean, and he then, does some crazy bad well, stuff. Well, what happened today is he got doubled up on, off second because he totally forgot how many outs there were. So he got pulled out of the Tigers game today. They, they started him. And they pulled him in the second inning after making the final out, being caught napping because he didn't, he wasn't counting outs in his head. An unfocused Jordan Poole is a bad Jordan Poole. A focused, dialed in Jordan Poole is, you know, one of the 35, 45 best players in the entire league. So hopefully he shows up the right way. You know, Draymond Green, I think, is, is, I mean, I don't know if I'm comparing him to Michael Jordan or not in any of my questions for Steve Kerr, which is it's a shame I'm not doing his interviews anymore, but oh well. Uh, but look, it, it's, it's, uh, it's up to Draymond to set the tone. I mean, fire-breathing Draymond needs to be out there, and how physical is he going to be allowed to be against Sabonis? I, I think that's another big factor as we get going in oh, yeah, this series. The, the is Draymond allowed to play with a with an axe in his hand and chop people in half? Yeah. I mean, you know, wh- what's your biggest fear about Sabonis, Damon, in this series? Because, I mean, we know Draymond's a great defender. Looney's a great position defender. He'll, he'll give a solid effort. But what do you, as far as Sabonis, because Sabonis has had a great year offensively he's had a great year on the glass but now he's averaging over seven assists per game and i I was gonna say i can't i I, to me if i'm the warriors i gotta figure out what part of his contribution to their offense that if you took it away would hurt them the most and i think it's probably his passing i think i I want i want to me how they defend sabonis is going to be one of the more interesting uh parts of game one i agree because if here's the thing, if he gets to go and get in his kitchen in the low block, it changes the entire flow of the game and how the perimeter defense needs to collapse on him a little bit. Sabonis is such a good passer. You collapse on him. He can find the player standing at the three-point line for the open three. So, you know, Sabonis is a poor man's Jokic almost. You know, he really is and has turned into that with the passing acumen that he's really put on display since the All-Star break. So I, I think I think sort of a a low post attack that he is either turning into low post scoring or low post setups because you got the defense collapsing on him and now he's kicking it out to Keegan Murray for a wide open cross court corner three. That's what I'm worried about with Sabonis. Um, I'm really eager to see two um, GP2 on either Malik Monk off the bench or Fox. I mean, you know, this is why you have 
GP two. And it's, it's amazing. If we respected defense, defensive dominance, as much as we respected offensive dominance, this guy would be an all league type player because he's that good defensively. And I, I've watched basketball for years. I mean, I've seen some of the greatest defenders. Um, I feel like, you know, I think when I see this guy, he reminds me of Michael Cooper with the Lakers in the eighties, just, just, you know, long arms blanket you. Can't, you can't get away from him. Um, unbelievable lateral agility, but this, but even Peyton's even better because he's got longer arms and he's more tenacious. And I just think that that's the one awesome thing about having him, Damon, is that you've got the true alphas in the in the West. You know, Jaw, and in this case, uh, Fox. I mean, you've got the alpha neutralizer in GP two. I can't wait. To me, that's the main reason I feel Golden State's going to win is that they have a guy to get stops against against Fox. I hope you're right. Where he gets picked up. Where on the court you start guarding him, that's going to be a choice that the Warriors maybe tweak a few times while they're doing it because trying to pick him up three-quarter court as opposed to half court, I mean, he can just dribble around you. He really can. He can dribble around anybody. So that is going to be a defensive choice. And look, which team can figure out transition defense? Because both these teams are going to run, man. Both these teams are going to run. And both of these teams in the half court – cut so hard are so disciplined offensively that I we're going to get an offensive show even with a legitimate defensive effort out there I I really do think these games are ticketed to be you know 125 120 throughout the entire series like I I don't think in any way shape or form we get a rock fight where it's 105 98 out of any of these games I just don't see it no 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 it's just the tempo, I mean, not if Sacramento, I mean, here, Sacramento wants to get out and run. Golden State can do it either way, but they're going to get out and run with Sacramento, and then we're going to find out who plays that game more efficiently. That's the thing. The Warriors who, get the fastest pace in the NBA. Exactly. And also the Warriors, the issue with Golden State is, is um, you know, really been twofold all year. Turnovers and inside, points in the paint or rebounds. And, you know, to me, there's the turnovers are the big factor in this in this series. You can't turn it over. And we're going to find out, you know, is the younger, faster legs of Herder and Fox and Monk going to be able to, you know, outduel Peyton and Clay and, and Steph, um, Clay and Steph being older. And obviously you got Jordan Poole there. But I, you know, I. I'm also eager to see what the other, you know, the huge factor and the one thing that kind of makes her makes this even more intriguing is that, you know, Damon in basketball, just because you get somebody back doesn't mean that you're better. Sometimes it just changes your mix and sometimes you're worse. So what is the addition after seven weeks of an absence of Andrew Wiggins going to do to the Warriors flow and the rest of their the rest of their ability. I mean, it should in theory help them. They're getting another really good player in his prime back, but that's not always the way it works. And so that's, that to me is kind of the intriguing factor is what's the net, you know, difference of Wiggins. It's a good point because it does matter. But to me, Andrew Wiggins is an ultimate, like where beige and blend in type of player. He's not ball dominant. He's not in the corner clapping for the ball hard. He's not taking anyone out of their own rhythm to join the rhythm of a team. He's so he's he's effective as a passive type of player. You know, you never see Andrew Wiggins like, holy shit, he took over the game tonight. 
Right. Andrew Sometimes Wiggins, you wish you would. Right. Andrew Wiggins is at his best is when you kind of don't even really notice him, and then you turn around in the box score, and you're like, oh, dude, he had 22-9 and nine tonight. I didn't, you know, I didn't even really notice that big rebound until he pulled down a big offensive rebound late in the fourth quarter. Bunny put back, and, hey, Wiggins had a big moment, so I guess he had a big game when he really just sort of – I'm not saying he floats in the action, but he's never – He's never central to what the Warriors are doing offensively or defensively. He's just a really good part of the collective. So if the ball keeps hopping with him out there, I've never seen the ball kind of stop with Andrew Wiggins. I, you know, I'm, I'm really not worried because he's such a, I mean, the word passive's wrong, Larry. I'm, I, I don't, he's, he doesn't command attention from his own teammates even. Well, and he's, I think he's, that that's he sort of the beauty the in basketball. what he does. Yeah, he right. doesn't dominate. He's not D-Lo, so he doesn't dominate the basketball. He plays in the flow. Um, last year, you know, he was a, he was awesome. Why? Because he defended like a maniac, and he rebounded the greatest he's ever rebounded his entire life. And we know he's an offensive, talented player. I mean, he, you know, the one thing about him that's so intriguing, he's a six-eight guy with handle who's got an explosive move to the to the rim. And he can kind of get there when he wants to. I wish he'd do it more. I wish he would do it more. He just doesn't have that kind of like, I'm going to the rim and ain't nobody stopping me. You know, He just doesn't have that to him. He's a little bit more easygoing, which is kind of, you know, the interesting thing is that's why he's kind of blended nicely on this team. It's that personality that he has, that he's kind of an easygoing, very solid, I'm just going to do my thing. And that I think is has been great. Uh, for the warrior um, locker room and for their chemistry. I, th- I think he's been a, been a really good chemistry ad, he's which egoless. is hard to do in the NBA. Yeah. He's, he's an egoless player who either in presence or absence doesn't rub his team the wrong way. I mean, we just saw him have, you know, a, a, a two month long, basically unexplained to us anyways, absence. And like the team was cool with it. So obviously they like him. He fits. He fits by not standing out. You know, you can't have much of an ego to play on the Golden State Warriors, but one guy's got to be out there with one and a chip on his shoulder at all times, and that's Draymond. Yeah. And this is, I think this is going to be fascinating because Draymond, by any measurement, in a hard-to-evaluate year where defense was an ever-present problem, I thought that Draymond actually had himself a pretty damn good season. Even though the Warriors collectively didn't have a good defensive season, I thought Draymond was good this year. Yeah. Oh, he was really good, and he was lean. Yeah. Now, Draymond is going into, you know, what he has dubbed, are you a a 16-game player or are you an 82-game player? So it's Draymond's season. It is the postseason, and it's the NBA version of a walk year. What is Draymond's future his contractual situation, his overall, what he does to end his career. Will he be a warrior? Will he not be a warrior? Will he come back for one year? Will he opt out and search the market? Will he opt out and opt back in with the Warriors? Draymond in a walk postseason, Larry. Like, I'm interested. I'm interested. This guy's got a ton to prove. He plays with the biggest chip on his shoulder in this league and when he is fire-breathing war daddy Draymond, that's when the Golden State Warriors start to look like the Warriors of olden days. So the motivations for him are all around. Plus, you're going to get this podcast. I mean, Draymond needs that attention on him. He wants it there. And 
you know, he he he's a feast for the senses. There is no doubt about it. So what level of angry at the world guarding everybody, Draymond, do we get right from the jump? Because we know when he gets cornered, he turns into a, you know, I was going to say Wolverine, but he's a Spartan, so he wouldn't like that at all. But, you know, when he gets cornered, he he fights back, even if he shouldn't. He does. It's just his nature. Does he need to get cornered in any way in this series to come out with the boxing gloves on? I hope he is throwing shade and talking shit and just being mean, nasty Draymond to the point where he might punch one of his own assistant coaches. Like, that. that's Draymond at his best. It really is. I mean, in a lot of ways, you know, Draymond is the Warriors leader. We all know it. And he um, is a ferocious, ferocious competitor. Um, and that's what fuels Golden State. I think that's going to, to me, if you were going to say, what's, what is, you know, if you turned on the TV Saturday night and you watch that, what would you see? You know, people who talk about, oh, the playoffs are different than the regular season. Why is it different? How is it different? Draymond is how he's, how it's different because right. Draymond is going to compete like a madman and he is going to dial up the intensity and the vit, not the vitriol, but, you know, he's bringing it. I mean, he's, he is going to compete hard and you're, and it's going to be, it's going to be a noticeable difference from the regular season. And that's what makes him him. And to me, um, he's, you know, obviously he's a hall of fame player, but, um, he's to me, he's, you know, some people say he's overrated that he's got, I'm sure there are NBA players that think that he's overrated. I, I think the opposite. I think he's underrated. I mean, I think he's he makes winning basketball plays on all areas of the floor at all times. I mean, mo- I mean he's had some problems. Cost the team greatly. We all know the stories. But the guy is a genius basketball player, and he's a ferocious competitor, and he's in shape and ready to roll. So, you know, he's going to be uh, – he's like the last guy I'm worried about. He's well, the and- guy that I absolutely know is going to fire and, and play huge. It's odd that ferocious competitors now stick out like sore thumbs in this league. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, he really, reminds me. He reminds me a lot of people say, "Who who it is he reminds you of?" He reminds me of Bird because Bird was like this. I mean, he was just a crazy competitor, um, and that's what they're and and you could feel the will of Larry Bird on the floor, and you could feel the will of Draymond Green. Uh, he's a terrific player, man. I mean, these guys, these guys do it they beat you and like they're just like they beat you at the end of the day it's like how do they beat you i don't know i mean bird hit threes draymond block shots he steals passes i mean they they just make play winning basketball uh comment from the uh from the chat from goat says it's weird if draymond played on another team no one would know him but on the warriors without him no championships well, if he played on another team that was a team of, of circumstance, he would be a difference maker and might be the difference between that team went to the playoffs or that team went to the finals. I mean, he's that much of a of a difference maker. But I also, uh, you know, as, as much as I might pick bones with you on that first half of your 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 point, the second half I completely agree with. I don't know if the Warriors would have a single NBA title without Draymond Green. As a matter of fact, I think he would be they harder wouldn't. to replace conceptually than, you know, even Clay Thompson was. And we saw, you know, they they lost without Clay, but Draymond is so unique to this team's id, like how you know, how how it sees itself in its own reflection in the mirror 
when it's ready to take the court for a playoff game. I, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think they win championships without Draymond. Oh, I'm not. They don't. I mean, they don't. I mean, and and you know, think about it. People, people, um, you know, have missed the Draymond story and how great he's been throughout his career, because it's it's always tied to who's on your team and what are the circumstances. He played at Michigan State for a Hall of Fame coach who had some epic teams. So people just assume, oh yeah, well he was on a great team and that's why they went to the Final Four. No, the team he was on sucked. I mean, except for him. And he led them. Um, and, and, you know, he's a, he's just a terrific winning player. I mean, if you, if you, if you know basketball, I mean, um, this is a terrific winning player. Um, just ask yourself this, how many players in the league are both that team's number one rim protector and distributor? And I'll wait on, we'll wait on that right. one. You well, know what I mean? I mean, the answer is LeBron, right? I mean, that's it. That but would as be far it. as I mean, is is LeBron even a rim protector anymore these days? I don't know. I don't I mean, know, but I think he he oh, might. Draymond's have... a true shot blocking rim protector, uh, interior defender, and he's leading. You know, he's sixth in the league in assists or whatever, whatever he's got. You know, so it's like he's, you know, he's just a, that that right there is a very unique player, and I I thought his legs would fit would fail him because he had some you know, extra weight on him at, at Michigan state. And I wasn't sure about his conditioning devotion to it and that kind of thing. That's not been a problem. He's in shape. His legs are in shape. Um, the guy is, hasn't uh, to me, he hasn't slowed down that much. I mean, he's not the three point shooter that he was years ago, but I don't want him taking those shots anyway, for the most part. Um, I just love the will and the, the winning plays and the passes and the defense and, on the ball D, low, low block D. I mean, the guys, I really believe that whatever team he was on, they may not win titles because who knows what what the surrounding cast would look like, but they'd be a hell, they'd be a shit ton better than they are now. Yeah. You put him on the Kings, they'd be way better. You put him on the Lakers, they'd be way better. And by the way, let's not find out what he looks like on the Lakers because my, my feeling is watching the Lakers this year, if you just added green to what the Lakers have right now, they're going to win titles. So I would not, if I'm the Warriors, the last thing I want to do is see him go to the Lakers. I would give him a three-year, $60 million contract, promise him he could be in the front office when the career's over, make him a lifelong warrior, go to the finish line with Steph and, and Draymond. And if you can, Clay as well. Um, I, I would. There are a couple of uh, first-round matchups that I really like. I think are going to be interesting. I think Knicks and Cavaliers could get interesting because I, look, I like the Cavs in this series. Uh, yeah, Julius Randle with a funny ankle means the Knicks are coming in a little funny, so I can't really trust them. I, I hope that Brooklyn somehow shocks the world and get past the, the Nets, or, or excuse me, gets past the Seventy Sixers. Um, I think that would just be a, a fantastic story. They went from the least likable team in basketball to the least identifiable team in basketball basketball but a much better basketball team than anyone thought that they would be after trading Durant and Kyrie away uh I would love to see the the 76ers go down and Harden play his last game in the 76ers uniform before he went back to the Houston Rockets because he likes the strip clubs in Houston more than he does in Philadelphia that like that to me would be fantastic um LeBron and the Lakers though against Memphis is going to be I think that other first round series that everybody's going to put their eye on and you know just LeBron's presence means it's going to get a lion's share their their profile of 
they haven't won it yet, but man, they play with a lot of big chip on their shoulder and you like them too. No one likes Dylan Brooks and John Morant lost half the country with all the bullshit that he pulled halfway in the season. I mean, that was ridiculous. So um, that's going to be interesting. And I feel like the world is kind of rooting Lakers and LeBron for the first time. Like, can the old man do it once again? Maybe one of the reasons, Larry, that I thought that, you know, LeBron is as good offensively as he is at the rank among this postseason first in points first in rebounds first in first he's made and he's third in three made for goodness sakes so that's kind of an interesting situation and dude like I was actually rooting for the Lakers and LeBron against the Memphis or the, the Minnesota Timberwolves the other night. I don't know why I found myself pulling really did. Well, maybe you work for the league, right? <laughs> the, <laughs> well, the well look, there's no doubt they want to sell Warriors Lakers in that second round. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the Lakers right now, um, I think that's going to be a great series. I mean, how great is the NBA playoffs? You get Warriors Kings first round and maybe Warriors Lakers in round two. Or even Kings Lakers, if it winds up being that way, if the Kings wind up winning. No, but I, I, I personally, it, I don't. Even, would the Kings get the Lakers if, uh, if the Kings won? I'm not sure how the. You're kind of glitching a little bit right now. No, I people are glitching. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what's going on down here tonight. Well, you know, sometimes in you know, us, it's funny. Sometimes the uh, the thing does glitch a little bit. I, I will say, you know, the Lakers to me are um, they're a scary team. They're a scary team because Anthony Davis is just looking really good right now. And look at the length, Malik Beasley and Rui and all these guys. I mean, they just they've added a lot. They've got scoring. They've got LeBron. Um, Reeves is playing at a really high level. I mean. I don't know, man. I'm the, the Lakers kind of worry me a little bit. I still think Golden State would be able to beat them. Um, can they get by Memphis? I think they can. I think they can. Um, I, you know, I don't think it's going to be easy, uh, but I think that that's probably a knockdown drag out series. But I think the Lakers could get by Memphis, don't you? Yeah, I do. I absolutely do. The Lakers have one of the best records in basketball since the All Star break. Like they've been playing. Yeah. Better and better. I'm getting accused of having dial up here. Like uh, Damon, your AOL account, <laughs> your hotmail is uh, is not doing well. I yeah, I don't know what's up. going on. I'm I'm sorry, everyone. Uh, here's what really sucks. So, to are have, you hardwired in right now? Are you hardwired? So I am. We're not on Wi-Fi. I am hardwired into the internet right now. But the problem is, Larry, is the best Wi-Fi that is available. The best internet of, that is available is fiber. You need that fiber cable. The fiber program in San Francisco is growing. I mean, you'd think it'd be better than anywhere, right? Fiber stops one block away from my house. If we lived one block over, I would have the fastest internet available on the planet. But because it stopped one block away, I'm just sort of at the mercy of the best that AT&T can pump into the house. So I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> 
a man comes clean. Much I'm better not now. Much fiber. better now. Much better now. Everyone's saying it's much yeah, better now. Much better now. Much well, better. Well, that's now. good. It was a little glitchy there for a while. Well, let me tell you, we'll use the glitch as a transition, Larry. Oh, um, nice. How much more do you hate Max Muncy today than you did even 48 hours ago? And how about uh, walk him? How about put him on? You had an open base. Did you I mean, did I, you watch did you watch uh the Damon Bruce show today? Uh, I was busy. The- I was really rush, rushing around today, so I didn't see it. What so, do you say about this? My my question is simply this: Where in in Farhan's abacus does it say, "Don't pitch to the guy who keeps hitting home runs and doubles off the wall"? Like, I, mean, I, I what don't do you understand need how see? a team can be so dedicated to statistical analysis and not learn pitch around this guy. I mean, once again, are, are we are we playing the game at three o'clock in the afternoon with our Tandy five thousand, or are we playing it at game time? Because at game time, Max Muncie was fucking hitting home runs. And he's hit three in the series, and you let him hit a fourth with an open bag to, to 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 end the game, basically. So why? The question is why. Um, now first base wasn't open, so you would have to have moved the guy from first to second. But still, Max Muncie owns you. Max Muncie's going to show up at the next Giants owners meeting. He's going to sit down at the meeting and say, "Hi, I'm Max. I own you guys." He's a killer. He owns you right now. When Bar- when Barry Bonds owned other teams, guess what they did? They walked him every chance they could. We saw Buck Showalter walk him with the bases loaded. You you know p- play your matchups, and then you know once again Taylor Rogers. I mean that was really Taylor Rogers holding the ball for ball four in a key situation. Yeah, my God, throw the ball. I mean, who cares? Throw the ball. I mean, the rules are the rules. I mean, I, you got the clock right there. You're looking, you're staring, it's staring you down. I mean, so I didn't, you know, but to me, to not walk Muncie there, and I, I don't know how you feel about the Giants overall, but I just like to see them go with some younger guys. I mean, I, I think it's going to be a long year. I'd rather see them go with some youth. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes over the next few weeks. But my feeling on this team is you're going to see like one group for like a month or two, and then you're going to see a different group. Um, so, cause I mean, the, the, the injuries and, and all the young players that they'll probably at some point call up this year. Um, I, I this is a definitely a transition year and I don't think they'll finish last, but I think they'll finish second to last. Larry, the, uh, the, the biggest story in the NFL today, without a doubt is the pending sale of the Washington commanders. We'll get there in just a second because ding dong, the witch is gone is basically what everyone is singing about Daniel Snyder looking like he's about to leave the NFL. Having said all that, though, we have a local story that you're going to have to, I think, you know, tell me how much it would really matter. If Casario were to leave Houston and go back to New England, which the rumor is he might be doing that after the draft. Right. Adam Peters who is basically a what's his official title with the 49ers assistant GM and player ops someone yeah. something football pers- player personnel he's he's Lynch's right-hand man second in command how how much would it put the 49ers off their mojo if Adam Peters were to walk out of the building he's a very good evaluator the premier guy. I mean, a lot of people feel like he's going to be the guy that inherits the job from Lynch. He's also a Bay area guy. So, you know, he came from Denver to the Bay because he, he was a Niner guy and wanted to be with the Niners. 
but maybe Lynch wants to stick around and do it long term. And uh, and maybe he wants to run his own show. Um, you know, the talk is, is that, you know, and this is a really interesting story on a bunch of fronts, Damon, because, you know, one, I think that this is uh, Robert Kraft taking back control of his franchise from Bill Belichick in Belichick, who, you know, Be- Belichick's twilight years, um, you know, and it just kind of shows at the end, you know, everybody has an end date, right? So well, I Belichick, think Bel- Belichick is what, 18 wins away from Don Shula's all time wins record. And, you know, Bob Kraft has come out and said, hey, you know, I'd love to see that happen with the Patriots, but we need to be a playoff team this year. So he kind of he sort of said, Bill, you know, you're, we don't expect the Patriots to win 18 games this year. So to pass Don Shula in a Patriots head coaching box, he needs two more seasons. And basically Kraft said he's he's on. You, you better be back in the playoffs right now. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, Kraft is almost making it seem like it was Brady that was the key there. But anyway, but now, so Belichick, of course, had feuded with Mac Jones, was up unhappy with Mac Jones and is shopping Mac Jones publicly, or at least has to a bunch of teams, if you believe the reports, because Mac Jones went outside the chain of command and outside the building, complained about Matt Patricia and Joe Judge as offensive coaches. He's probably totally justified to do so because they're not really considered top tier offensive coaches. Heck, Patricia is a defensive coach. So the players this week have supported Mac Jones. So now you're hearing that, you know, Belichick, who has head coach and GM responsibilities at Cesario, may be brought back into the fold and given final say over the roster. And that will bring him back to New England. And then that means there's an opening in Houston. And Adam Peters, according to Mike Silver, would be then going from going to Houston to be the general manager. And basically what the Texans would amount to is 49ers South because they would have D'Amico Ryans as the head coach and they would have uh, Peters as the general manager and they would have Bobby Slowick as the offensive coordinator. And there's a couple other 49er people there as well. And it just leads itself to the speculation of are the 49ers going to move Trey Lance to the Texans? Because the other report is, is that the Carolina Panthers are going with Bryce young um, at the top of the draft because he did so well on this, this this IQ test that supposedly the, the cognitive Buckeyes, thing that I've been reading all cognitive about. you know test and supposedly CJ Stroud did not do well on this and so maybe the Texans at two prefer not to take him. There's a lot of talk that the Texans at two are going to bypass a quarterback if Young goes one for Anderson the um, the Alabama outside backer defensive end who's a blue chip defensive uh, player for sure. And then maybe that makes sense for them to trade for Trey Lance. And then they only have Davis Mills and Case Keenum right now. Um, but if you're the 49ers, from their perspective, you say, well, do the Niners want a quarterback competition this summer between Trey Lance and, and Brock Purdy or Trey Lance and Sam Darnold and then eventually Trey Lance and Brock Purdy? Or do they want to commit to Brock Purdy and move Trey Lance to an AFC team? And if they did, the Texans – with a first-year head coach with a six-year contract, uh, with a general manager potentially that came from San Francisco, with an offensive coordinator that worked with Trey a year ago, uh, maybe they feel like, and, and I'm sure the the Texans have the 33rd pick or 32nd pick in the in the draft. They got a high second-round pick. They have two third-round picks. I'm sure the 49ers could easily work out a trade compensation package with them that would allow them to go with the 
defensive stud up front and maybe move one of those picks to the Niners or a couple of those picks for Trey Lance. And I could see it happening. It makes a lot of sense on a lot of levels. You know, it does make a lot of sense, especially with Houston having an awful lot of draft capital to play with. But you said trading Trey Lance to an AFC team. Yeah, that wouldn't be my priority at all. I mean, I'd trade Trey Lance anywhere without fear of him haunting for the best deal, the best deal that's available. Now, if Houston sure. is the team that presents that best deal, fantastic. Um, you know, but but I, I really wouldn't worry about his landing spot. Um, if you're moving well, on, from what you him, feel. I mean, a... I think he's really super special and I, I would, I would worry about his landing spot, but I hear what you're saying. Go for the best deal. I mean, I'm not saying I would take a, a lesser deal, but preferably to an AFC team. Um, and also I think you want to do right. I think this is about doing partly by doing right by Trey. Partly it's about committing to Brock. Partly it's about avoiding, um, a quarterback competition that potentially could divide the team. Um, partially, I think it's going to be about this, this pick and this compensation. I mean, if the 49ers could get in theory, Damon, the 33rd pick overall, there's a half a dozen difference making football players that are going to be staring them in the face. And they would look, be looking best defensive interior overall or right tackle best player. Well, I don't even think so. I think it would be just best player available, you know, because they, they I think they're going to commit to Colton McKivitz at right tackle for this year. I don't think they're going to take, I don't know if there's a rookie right tackle. They like there. I do believe they'll draft a tackle, but I'm not sure if it will be here, but I mean, Kalaja Kansi from Pittsburgh is a Aaron Donald type uh, defensive lineman. I believe he had an incredible year. He he'll be there. Emmanuel Forbes. Oh, Aaron Donald like? Is it just because he went to Pitt, or is he well, about no. to be one of the five greatest defensive linemen of all time? Come on, I mean, Aaron Donald like. That's like saying this quarterback reminds me of Tom Brady. Shut up. No, no, no. This guy is an Aaron Donald like player. He's an undersized player, but he is awesome. I mean, he is electric. He's strong. I mean, nobody's Aaron Donald, of course, but this guy's the same kind of thing. He's six feet, two ninety, and just awesome. I mean, he just had a tremendous year. Defensive player of the year in the conference uh, Emmanuel Forbes is like a Dion type player I mean he's a he's had he's had 14 interceptions in three years at Mississippi State six of them have gone for pick sixes uh, Michael Mayer the tight end from Notre Dame is they call him baby Gronk and they call him that for a reason um, Isaiah Foskey who's was just in there down in Santa Clara yesterday for the local pro day it went to Antioch High School De La Sal, or from Antioch went to De La Salle um, defensive end from Notre Dame is just awesome. Has anyone from a local pro day ever like made a difference in a football season? <laughs> well, yeah, because everybody's everybody goes to their local pro day. Um, you know, everybody, but I mean, you know, a lot of the top players go to the local pro day, whether they work out or not. Um, and and it's just a matter of you know, have the Niners ever taken anybody from the local pro day? They took a bunch of they take a bunch of Stanford guys. I don't know how many. Uh, I'm probably Solomon Thomas went to the local pro day. I don't know if it didn't work out that well. Um, but then there's Jameer Gibbs from Bama. There's, there's this Atatamawa at from Northwestern. By the there's way, that's, that, special... that's, that's the name that scares me the most in this draft. And I even heard it throughout the football season. Cause I watched Northwestern a couple times. Atatamawa at a Atabare is the the easy part. It's the first name that is just like a you no. It's no. I'm it's exactly gonna... how it's spelled too. It's A D E T O M I W A, Aditamiwa, Atabare, Atabare. It's yeah, it's, it's a, like it's your a name big might as well name. be Samarja Samarja. Like that's <laughs> it ain't easy to spell. That's for sure. Uh, Daniel Snyder looks like his 
quarter century reign of terror over the Washington football franchise, Larry, is going to come to an end. Apparently, Josh Harris, who is the 76ers co-owner, so he's a well-moneyed-up individual to say the least, has put a proposal in, and the league is mulling it, and it looks like, um, other than some unforeseeable snafu, Daniel Snyder's about to be out of the NFL business. I can't think of a better NFL story to share than that one because he he truly took the way that Joe Lacob took a piece of shit franchise and turned them into a crown jewel. Daniel Snyder basically did the opposite with the Washington football franchise. He took one of the NFL's true crown jewel, historically significant franchises and turned them directly you know, into as as big a clown show as you can find on the field in football. And then the off-field clown show involved like sexual assault and play and pinch the hiney everywhere conceivable around that franchise. So uh, this guy's going to make 700x his original investment. Danny Snyder bought in for $750 million wow. back in 1999, and he's going to walk away with $6 billion, meaning he did a 700% increase on his original investment. Um, Good investment. It, it would be just if he would walk away with nothing. That's how awful he was for the league and for the team. But people in Washington are, like, literally doing cartwheels on you know in the streets like this is one of the best pieces of news washington dc has received since i don't know since you know since the bullets were good yeah I don't, people you know. are happy people are happy i'm sure they are because i mean i mean jack kent cook was a phenomenal owner joe gibbs and charlie bobby bethard who passed recently and you know it's just a. Uh, that was a great era. They spent a ton of money. They often had the, I mean, think about if you were a Redskins fan, that there's a lot, have you ever been to the district or Maryland or any of that part of the country? There's tons of momentum for, for uh, commanders football now. And it's all because of Jack Kent cook and, and uh, Joe Gibbs and um, you know, the, what they built there. I mean, there's no question about it. It was incredible. Bobby Beathard was a phenomenal GM. Joe Gibbs was a great head coach and they had a stable ownership that was right there. They were, they were the Niners spending rival back in the day in the eighties, Eddie D you know, pre salary cap, the one guy that would go and spend money right there with them was, was, was Joe was, uh, was um, the owner of the of the Washington Redskins. So, I mean, Jack Kent Cook had deep pockets, and he spent money, and he loved to win, and they had a huge winning equation. Then Schneider takes over, and I just thought he was not a great owner. But then the last 10 years, it's just so many controversies, so many, you know, so many uh, unprofessional practices, so many things that are just bring shame on the league and on the franchise and on the whole city, for that matter. So it's just, it's long overdue. And, um, no, you know, I think most NFL fans would say good riddance. The very first thing I would do is change the name from Commanders, not back to Redskins. You can't do that. But I would go right back to Washington football team. I would eliminate, because Commanders was the choice of Daniel Snyder. No one particularly likes it. 
I would go away from it and just say, we're not doing that anymore. We're going to go back to Washington football team, that stupid generic name, which as soon as it came out, I'm like, that's ridiculous. It actually grew on me. I liked it. I liked the Washington football team. I just thought that that was a cool way to go about talking about them. That's how they stood out. Um, and and I just, I, I like the, the I, I never saw anybody have the balls to do it, but you know, when they're, you're giving your NFC East standings, Cowboys, Giants, Eagles, football team. <laughs> like to me, that just looked cool. If anyone ever did it that way, I, I, I would get rid of commanders. I would get rid of commanders immediately if I were buying that organization. Well, I mean, you see, it happens in business all the time. Uh, you know, there's a change in ownership and there's a change in, in branding and some oftentimes when people change branding, they're running away from something. And in this case, this would be an ownership group that was worth running away from. So I think in this situation, rebranding actually makes sense. Just to get rid of the Daniel Snyder stink. Yeah. And then, I mean, look, Ron Rivera is then immediately on the clock. That is, that's a franchise that when it was run right, really mattered. So watching it get run right again would be good for the NFL. Same thing with the Chicago Bears. Watching them actually get their feet underneath them would be a, a boon for the entire league because that team matters. What do you think of Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets? I mean, apparently these two teams haven't had any talk in like the last month of Aaron Rodgers here, and it feels like this thing has been sitting in the ether long enough to where any trade of Aaron to the Jets has just as much of a chance to dissolve as it does actually come through now. What do you think of that? Well, you know, if you asked me a week ago, I would have said that I think it'll be consummated at the draft because I think that's kind of the latest I had read on it, that there was a very good chance that no matter how many differences they may have or how many different thoughts they have on it as far as the actual, um, you know, trade itself, that it would go down during the draft. Then this week, I'm starting to hear that it may not happen until after the draft. Um, and it makes you wonder if there's a chance that Rodgers would actually just hang it up and retire. Um, and I think that's possible. I think it's very, I think it's possible that he may, may hang it up. I mean, I, I thought he was very disappointing this year, to be totally honest. And I thought this was the first year we saw obvious regression. Um and now what, you're going to sign up to play it behind a bad offensive line on, on one of the worst turfs in, in the league uh, in front of a hostile crowd. I mean, you know, I mean, come on, Aaron, you've made a lot of money, buddy. Uh, you want to be carted off the MetLife turf? Go for it. Otherwise, I'd, I'd call it quits. So I, I think there's a very good chance he rides off into the sunset. I never understood why it didn't work out for him in Green Bay. I just never understood why he couldn't make it work there or always played the they're doing wrong by me card so loudly and so publicly at all times. He's like one of those guys that even though he's really talented, he's he's just tough to be around. You can feel it. It oozes. Well, off of it's him. also situational, Damon. I mean, think about it this way. You're trying to do a really good job at whatever you're doing. And then the people that go to support you instead of instead of actually giving you a tool to help you win they go get somebody else who potentially could do what you do and it's like well wait a second are you trying to help me win are you guys trying are you looking beyond me and if you're looking beyond me i'd like to look beyond you you know it's like and i think that's a tough thing i mean the the packers didn't do a very good job of communicating um their 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 game plan and their direction when they drafted Jordan Love, and he's just sitting right there. I think 
Rodgers is watching the draft, hoping he's going to get himself a, a this or a that, a great receiver or great whatever, great weapon of some kind. All of a sudden, here comes, oh, they're drafting my replacement. Now what? I'm supposed to bring this guy along, my the guy who's going to replace me? So, I mean, it just it created an awkwardness and – um, I just don't don't think that's necessarily the best way to go about it. And that, that's what their organization has chose, chosen to do. Um, and and I think he kind of pushed back. Also, I think Rodgers is kind of an interesting cat. He's just kind of does his own thing. He's like seems fiercely independent. Um, and, you know, it's, maybe maybe it's just time for him to move on. But I to me, definitely the last couple of years, like when the Niners beat him in the playoffs, he it wasn't like, you know what? you know, you're going to have to drag me out of here or we're going to win this game. It was like, I'm going to get rid of the football when I need to get rid of the football. And if I can complete it, great. And if not, you know, I'm not going to take, he doesn't stand in and like he used to stand in. And I, and when you get to that point, it's like, okay, you know, can you really win if you, if you don't really stand in against the rush and really try to make plays? If you are here tonight on Damon Bruce Plus because you followed Larry in here, why don't you give me a subscribe? Uh, go ahead and hit that like button. Larry and I are doing a home and home, a near nightly back and forth. One night it's on my channel. The next night it's on his. So if you don't want to miss any Larry, go ahead and subscribe to Damon Bruce Plus, the plus, and you won't miss any of the home and home. Uh, you got a fan here, Larry, a gentleman named Mark Hope. And he says, Larry and Damon, let's go. Larry actually needs a little barbecue and a good night's sleep. He's been working and grinding all day. His day's <laughs> not even done, though. I, I I saw that you have something scheduled for 830. What are you doing over on the Krug channel at 830? Uh, Jordan Elliott is going to stop by, and we're going to talk a little bit about this rumor from uh, that we already kind of addressed a little bit um, that – uh, that the, there's a couple different things out today. One, there's a guy from Yahoo who's saying that he believes the 49ers will, be, uh, at, if you offer a second round pick, that you could get Trey Lance. Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the Texans and and what's going on with the Texans and and Nick Cesario and the Adam uh, Peters situation, and the top of the draft and Trey Lance and how it all works together. So uh, we'll hit on that, and then we'll hit on some of the some of the different angles on it. So, yeah, coming up at 8.30, bottom of the hour. By the way, uh, we are uh, serving the people here. Modular Mammoth says, nothing much at all sports-wise tonight on TV. Thank goodness for the Plus and Larry. So we bring these two entities together. It's a good time. Let me just wrap up with this, and I know you got to get going. You do need, a, am guessing, a bathroom break between now and your next nine-hour program that you'll be hosting on your channel. <laughs> it's going to be, a, it's gonna be a, just a quick hour tonight, quick hour. Let's talk a little running back value, and we have two interesting different ways to talk about it. Okay. We have the value that the New York Giants are considering as they want a franchise tag. They don't quite know what to do with Saquon Barkley, so there's the value of an already established pro who can dominate at the highest level. And then there is, you know, Bajan Robinson, the kid from Texas, who yeah. is very likely a first-round talent if anyone wants to still allow a first round grade to fall on the shoulder pads of a running back. And there is a big movement in football that says that's no longer a valuable thing to do. Uh, here's the way I look at it, Larry. If it's the right player, taking the right player in the first round is always a good move. And if you think you got a stud running back, you're going to want him on that rookie deal before the NFL beats him up. It's the second contract 
that I think is always a little harder to evaluate. How do you feel about taking a running? Let's just for for conversation's sake, let's assume Robinson really is about to be all that in a bag of chips at the next level. He had an awesome career at Texas. Do you think he's worth a first round pick? And what do you think the New York Giants end up doing with an established star like Saquon Barkley? Um, that's interesting. Barkley, I think, will get moved um on draft day, probably for a day two, day three pick. I don't I don't I don't think he's gonna bring you a lot. That's just running expensive running backs. It doesn't matter if they're good or not. I would say he's probably gonna bring a fourth or a fifth round pick. I don't I don't think you can get a lot in trades for running backs. But um, and I don't know if they'll move him for sure. But if they moved him, that's what they would get. As far as um, Bijan, Bijan's great. And you know, think about it. I, I, the team that wants him so bad is Dallas. Dallas, you know, Dallas drafted Emmett Smith in the first round under you know, and and obviously Emmett became the the focal point of the Cowboys dynasty. And they've been trying to recreate that ever since. And they tried it with Ezekiel Elliott. Now Elliott's old, and they brought in Pollard. They want. Bijan Robinson in the worst way. I think they're going to try to trade up um, for Bijan. He is a special back, no question. Great running back um, and uh, difference-making type player. Um, so I think Dallas will try to trade up for him. If, if you make me guess, I, that's what I, I. That's my guess on Bijan. He's what special. Killed the, though. What killed the concept of a rookie running back being going in the first round? What? Why do you think what used to be, you know, just Longevity, the lack of longevity. There's a time to take them, though, Damon. It, it's time to take it. Is like if you're the Niners now, right now, or you're the Philadelphia Eagles right now, or you're a great team, and and you because they're it's usually pretty safe. If you get a productive, great running back, you know, I mean, Kenneth Walker was a productive, great running back in college his last year. He goes into the pros, boom, he steps into Seattle. He doesn't even need anything. He's a productive, great running back, and um, so I, I just think that it's a very safe pick. And you would only do it if you're inside your Super Bowl window and you just wanted to give yourself one more and you lack that weapon, let's say. I mean, to me, I, I'll give you a, a guy that I think is really interesting. The Eagles are talking about him at the end of the first round. Uh, Jameer Gibbs from Alabama. He's an incredible home run hitter. He's an incredible receiver out of the backfield. He's a difference-making player. And, you know, if you're the Eagles, they just lost Miles Sanders. You know, a guy like Jameer Gibbs makes a ton of ton of sense. And if you have a Super Bowl roster, a great running back can get you over the top. Best combo on YouTube from Niners. And we thank you very, very much. Uh, with all humility, we agree. Uh, and that's why we're going to go ahead and give this to you. Uh, a little slice of home and home as often as we can throughout the week, as often as we can fit it into our schedule. You can catch me live at 11 every single morning, Monday through Friday, here on Damon Bruce Plus. Larry is dotted all over the entire 24-hour clock. The man is the hardest-working man in show business, and today he did a little show business over on 95.7 The Game. I know you did a good job there, Larry. Thank I you. I forgive you. <laughs> give you, <Thank> you. <laughs> but man it's always a pleasure always great always easy and uh let's do it again real soon next time we'll do it over on the krug channel larry go ahead uh on your way out plug a sponsor or two because that's how we treat our sponsors here uh how i plan on treating my sponsors and we got a couple lined up real soon uh so be good tell me about the pig in the pickle tell me where i can go get a delicious barbecue meal 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Krug Show, of course, on YouTube. Check it out. So like and subscribe. Like and subscribe right here on the Plus. Um, the Pig and a Pickle, though, is the best barbecue in Northern California. They're in Emeryville. Open seven. Or they're open five days a week in Emeryville, Wednesday through Sunday, and they're open seven days a week in Corte Madera from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. Get the brisket, and of course, thanks to New York style Italian sausage and Telmetrics for being proud sponsors as well of the Krug Show. And join me in about uh, roughly uh, 15 minutes, bottom of the hour. Jordan Elliott's going to stop by, and we'll talk a little bit about this inter- this uh, Yahoo rumor involving Trey Lance and all the quarterback discussion with Houston and the Texans. Uh, we'll get into it. Should I'm be good. Check it out, brother. Have yourself a great night, Larry. Thank you very much. You too, man. Take care. There he is. The one and only Larry Kruger here on Damon Bruce Plus. Someone said, forget about light the beam, light the plus. Yeah, we changed the batteries. It's actually working. Uh, somebody said, Damon, I love a 15-minute opening monologue from you, man. When can we go ahead and get it? I missed it tonight. Well, here's the deal. This is from King Drew. We're about to go ahead and not only have this available for you on YouTube replay, it's going to be right up there for you, easy to access, uh, access, not access, access any single time you want. It's easy to find, and uh, we always take the audio of what we do and throw it on over on the podcast. Find the Damon Bruce podcast anywhere you download the podcasts that you already are downloading. Believe me, the Damon Bruce show is there. This one will be labeled home and home with Larry Kruger, and you're going to find it there. So if you missed any of it, you can re-listen, you can re-watch. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in. It does mean an awful lot to me. It means an awful lot to Larry. Thank you so much. I'll be back to wrap up the week tomorrow at 11 a.m. here on uh, the Damon Bruce show on Damon Bruce plus. In the meantime, thanks so much for tuning in, and please do remember that sports don't build character, they reveal it. And like that, he's gone.